1: Hawkeye Nation podcast. HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs with you here on a Wednesday afternoon. Um, full disclosure, I did a podcast like this yesterday. Why didn't you hear it? Why is it not in your feeds? Don't check. It's not there. I recorded it, and then I didn't save it. It got lost into the ether, and essentially I sat here for half an hour and talked to myself. I'm not going to try to recreate that podcast. Uh, I would just uh, I'd go crazy just trying to uh, remember everything I said and try to say it the right way. It was really just kind of off the cuff and uh, talking a lot about you know the things happening in, in Hawkeye sports right now. So I'll do a little bit of that here, and then uh, what I want to do is uh, is go through yesterday's press conference a little bit, kind of like I did a week ago, um, looking through uh, not just what Gary Barda had to say. He was a kind of surprise guest there. What Fran McCaffrey had to say and then uh, some of the clips from some of the players as well. I enjoyed doing that. I hope you did uh, enjoyed listening to it as well. So, um, like I said a week ago, I'm to the point where I am just uh – jones in for any Hawkeye content I could get, and if you're like me, I hope this uh, satisfies that itch just a little bit. Uh, plug for tomorrow, for Thursday, I will be talking with Cody Goodwin. Uh, we kind of put this off a little bit to see brackets for the NCAA championships in wrestling, uh, but obviously Iowa won its 37th wrestling Big Ten championship over the, the weekend. Four guys won uh, individual Big Ten championships, and so I'm going to bring Cody back on one more time to, uh, to recap the Big Ten championships and and uh, and look ahead to the NCAA's next week and kind of what the outlook is. As I think we all have set the expectation that I will should win the national championship. It's a lofty goal, but I think it's achievable. It's where they would have been a year ago had things not been pulled out from under them. Speaking of a year ago, it's almost exactly a year ago uh, that everything kind of went away, uh, sports wise and and world wise. Really, in in a lot of ways. Um, and you know, just it makes you think of. What we were robbed of, uh, not just with that football team or the the wrestling team rather, um, and Spencer Lee and, and all of that, but the basketball team and, and what it would have been like to see them go into that Big Ten tournament, and more importantly, I think going to the NCAA tournament. Um, I think the Hawkeyes would have been a five or a six seed going into that tournament last year. And I remember one of the things I was really excited about was to see Joe Wieskamp get out of the Big Ten, out of that physical play, and away from the refs who kind of let them play. If uh, if, if teams – because teams have gotten really physical with Joe in the second half of that Big Ten slate – and he had really kind of gone into a slump. He had trouble um, dealing with that. and Admittedly so. He, he's talked about that. Uh, hasn't happened this year, and that's been really good to see. Even when teams do get physical with him, he has asserted his will and was certainly doing that Wednesday before he went down with a, uh, a sprained ankle. We'll, uh, we'll hear from Fran McCaffrey. Uh, kind of an update. Although, the, uh, you know, spoiler alert, there's not a big update with Joe Wieskamp. It's going to be a game-time decision. Um, I heard... Uh, Wade Bill, former Hawkeye, obviously, on with uh, Miller and Condon here in, on KXNO here in Des Moines uh, yesterday. And he talked about how this is the type of injury where sometimes you just need to go out there and play on it to see how far you've come. Sometimes you need to uh, get out there and and see where you're at. And so maybe we'll see Joe Friday night. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll see him Saturday. Maybe we won't. Maybe we won't see him until the NCAA tournament. Hopefully... He is 100% by then, or, or as close to that as possible, because um, obviously Garza is the engine that drives the Hawkeyes, and Bohannon is kind of the uh, the guy who can come in and hit big shots and put you over the top. But in a lot of ways, this team's going to go as far as Joe Wieskamp can, can help carry them. And so hopefully uh, he's ready to go. Big Ten Awards, speaking of Joe Wieskamp, he is second team All-Big Ten by the AP, the coaches, and the media of the league, so really, really cool for him. This is the best conference in college basketball, and so to be second team All-Big Ten, really consensus second team All-Big Ten, uh, is a a great accomplishment for a guy who, again, had a great freshman year, struggled a little bit at times his sophomore year, and uh, has put together a great junior season here. and. Is it the last we've seen of Joe Wieskamp camp on on Carver Hawkeye's floor? I hope not, but I wouldn't. I think it's probably headed that way. I think it's leaning that way. Um, and I think if Joe does what what we hope he does these next couple of weeks, and and Iowa does what we hope they do these next couple of weeks, he will showcase himself to an extent where uh, he will not um, be really really have much of a choice to to head out or or say. I think he's probably going to go to the NBA. But we'll let those cards fall where they may uh, when we get closer to that. Let's enjoy the last few weeks of, uh, of the careers of some all-time great Hawkeyes. None more so than Luca Garza, who is the AP, Big Ten Player of the Year for the second straight year. He uh, was also given that award by the coaches and the media again for a second straight year. Just an incredible run. Um, all-time status for Luca Garza. The things he has done. Um, to, to put the junior year together that he did and then come back, have a big target on your back, not just as a player but as a team, but everybody's trying to stop Luca Garza. That, that's you, know, you can beat Iowa if you can stop Garza, and he does it again, and he's maybe better. It's really incredible, and again, I've said this a few times, but I don't think we'll be able to fully grasp Garza's career until sometime in the future when we can look back on it. He was also named the Sporting News National Player of the Year, and those awards are starting to come out, and he is going to win almost all of them, if not all of them, and rightfully so. He's the first player to win back to back Sporting News Player of the Year awards since Michael Jordan, who did it in 83 84. That's ridiculous. He joins a list of people like Kareem Abdul Jabbar, Bill Walton, you know, Oscar Robertson. The greatest names in the history of the sport, and Luca Garza has put his name right alongside them. It's it's really incredible uh, what he has done, and we haven't seen the last of it. Elsewhere in the award on the awards front, uh, Jordan Bohannon named honorable mention All Big Ten by several. I, I think both the coaches in the media. I think CJ Frederick was awarded that by one or the other, uh, an honorable mention, and then Keegan Murray uh, was put onto the All Freshman team and rightfully so there as well. Uh, And so, you know, a nice – again, in in the best conference in college basketball to have a bunch of guys awarded like that, to have five guys who are honored – uh, is really a cool thing and, and tells you how good Iowa was this season and uh, and why they finished third in this league and why they won seven of the last eight games. Uh, they were fantastic, and they're going to be rewarded for that, have been, and, and will continue to be rewarded for that. Caitlin Clark on the women's side is the Big Ten Freshman of the Year. She's also unanimous selection for uh, all Big Ten first team. Really cool for her. How she's not on the 15 finalists for the Wooden Award is beyond me, but whatever. Um, she'll she'll get there. She'll get those things in due time, um, and especially if she's able to lead the Hawkeyes to, you know, an elite eight like Megan Gustafson did, uh, a Big Ten championship, something like that. I think all those things are possible. As Caitlin Clark is clearly one of the best players in the country. She led the nation, leads the nation in scoring. Uh, the Iowa women play tonight. They play Purdue in the Big Ten Tournament. Uh, if they win, they will play Rutgers tomorrow night and will hope for the best for the women and, uh, and continue to watch them as they make their way into the NCAA Tournament. The Big Ten Tournament for the men, uh, obviously things start tonight, continue tomorrow, but Iowa has played itself into a position where it doesn't have to worry about what happens tonight or tomorrow. Uh, obviously, what happens tomorrow in the the six, eleven or twelve game uh, will determine who Iowa plays on Friday night. But I think we can all expect that to be Wisconsin, and maybe want it to be Wisconsin, right? Let's let's do the uh, let's let's do the thing again. Let's see if Greg Gard's comments, which apparently he's not going to be fined or even slapped on the wrist by the by the league for somehow, what would what would the league do if Fran McCaffrey had said what Greg Gard said Sunday afternoon? If you haven't seen that, go back and watch it. He goes hard at the refs, and he's not even going to get a slap on the wrist. Uh, will that affect how games are officiated for Wisconsin moving forward? I don't know. We'll see. I'd like to see that game again, mostly because I'd like to see us beat Wisconsin. And I think uh, I think we could do that a third time. And then obviously it sets up for some big, big games, some potential big games. Illinois might should be there, might be there on Saturday. And then Michigan should be there, might be there on Sunday. Can Iowa get there? I don't know. I would love to see Iowa play Illinois again. I would love to see these teams square off again. And I'd love to see Iowa get the chance to to beat a couple of one seeds. I don't think Iowa can get to a one seed, even if they win two games against potential and soon-to-be one seeds uh, this weekend. It doesn't seem real fair. Um. You know, you beat two one-seeds, how are you not a one-seed? You should be, but I don't think the tournament is weighed as heavily as maybe we think it is or, or would like it to be, especially that championship game, which happens just so close to Selection Sunday. I mean, you have to think by Sunday morning and certainly early Sunday afternoon, they've got that bracket set, and to adjust at the top like that at the last minute would be a difficult thing to do. Um and so we'll see. I think Iowa's locked into a two-seed. I think they could lose to anybody but eh, really even Nebraska. Let's say Nebraska rattles off two wins here, and it's Iowa-Nebraska Friday night. I think if you, even if Iowa lost that game, and certainly if they lost it without Joe Wieskamp, I think Iowa's a two-seed. And again, I don't think they could win their way to a one-seed. So I think we're set as a two-seed, which is the best seed Iowa's ever had. It's tied with the 87 team. Um, and it puts Iowa in a really strong position in the tournament, obviously. Now, it kind of sucks that you're going to get paired up most likely with Baylor or Gonzaga in, the, uh, in one of their regions because uh, they're going to avoid having a one and two seed from the same conference. And if Michigan and Illinois are, are one seeds, I won't be there with them. But hey, you're going to have to beat these teams at some point anyway if you want to get to a Final Four or a national championship. So, uh, you know, the sooner the better, I guess. Um I think a two seed really puts Iowa in a strong position to get to at least the Sweet Sixteen. And I get that everybody feels that way about their team. And and of course a two seed should be able to get to the Sweet Sixteen, but I mean it like this. Iowa is um susceptible to a loss to a really good team. We've seen that. They're susceptible to a loss to a a, a good team, a, a pretty good team, right? We've seen that. Uh, A bad matchup, like in Indiana. Uh, A team that gets hot late from three, and you miss some free throws like Minnesota. Iowa can lose to teams like that, but I don't expect it to happen in the tournament. And so I think uh, playing a 15 doesn't worry me at all. And then, honestly, playing a 7 or a 10, regardless of who it is, doesn't really worry me at all. Now you get past that, and obviously you, you start to... Come up against really good teams, the Elite Eight. You are going to play probably a three seed. The final you know, to get or in the Sweet Sixteen to get to the Elite Eight, you are probably going to play a three seed. To get to a Final Four, you are probably going to play a one seed. So we'll see. Um, before we kind of judge the season as a whole, let's just look back at the regular season and judge that quickly. And I, I think it's a solid A. It's not perfect. I would didn't win a Big Ten championship. Um, lost some games that you wish they wouldn't have lost peaked at the right time, won 7 of 8 down the stretch, and started the year ranked 5th, ended the year ranked 5th. Third place in the Big Ten is a really good spot to be. It's not, it's not great. It's not the best, right? It, it is great. It's not perfect. This wasn't a perfect season. We'll probably never see a perfect season. This team met expectations, and they were lofty expectations. And I think even falling short of a Big Ten championship is meeting expectations. So uh, just a, a cool thing for for these players, for Fran McCaffrey and his staff, and, and for all of us Iowa fans to experience. Um, it's just really fun to be a Hawkeye basketball fan right now and to feel confident about your team going into March. It hasn't been that often. I, I don't really buy into the Fran fade uh, as you guys know by now from listening to this but there is some truth to it or, or it wouldn't exist right there have been teams that have faltered down the stretch this isn't one of those teams or at least it hasn't been up till now and so uh, it's it's fun to feel really confident in your basketball team as you head into the postseason we'll see Friday night what Iowa has and uh, and hopefully they'll have a uh, a good long stay in indianapolis we'll get to that as well because fran had a fun uh, a couple fun comments about about that
0: i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here is in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment
1: and Devin Marble situation, before I get to the press conference where uh, Gary Barta addressed this and, and Fran addressed it as well, and we'll I'll play those clips for you here, just kind of my my two cents on this, um, I'll I'll just be flat out honest, I don't have a hot take, I don't have a strong opinion, I'm not old enough to have seen Roy Marble play, and I don't understand the context of his career at Iowa. I know he was the great, you know, was the the leading scorer, the had the most points in in history as a career for thirty some years. That's incredible. I know he was on some really really good teams that did some cool things. Um, I don't know how big some of the off court stuff was at the time. I don't know how big of a role he played on that team compared to some of the other great players on those teams, like BJ Armstrong, whose number is retired. Um, I just wasn't here for it, and that's not context you can really get unless you were here for it. I can't read articles and and fully understand that. And so I don't have a strong opinion on whether Roy Marble's jersey should be retired. If it was, I'd be fine with that. And if it's not, I'm okay with that too. Um, I think it should be really hard to get your jersey retired. I think that should be reserved for the elite of the elite. I think Iowa basketball needs to do a better job of telling us what those qualifications are if they exist, and according to Gary Barda, it seems like they they do exist. What what does that look like? The football team has done a good job of that, and it hasn't always been great because there have been some really really good football players who are not on that you know wall of honor, or, you know, ring of honor, because they didn't qualify for these really really lofty uh, kind of marks milestones that you have to hit to get there. And so there are all time great Hawkeye football players who will never be recognized in in that way. And that's okay. It shows how strong a program is when you have to leave some guys like that off. And so I'm okay either way. Um, I understand why Dev feels the way he does. I don't get it. I don't uh, because I've never, I I haven't lost a parent and I haven't given so much of myself to an institution the way that Devin has and the way that his dad did uh, with Iowa basketball and I haven't been in involved in these conversations about legacies and I haven't had to watch my father you know wither away and die as people argued about whether or not he was a good person or a good enough basketball player I'd imagine Sunday brought back a lot of Hard feelings for the Marble family, obviously. I don't think that says anything bad about Luca Garza. I don't think that is an indictment on Gary Barda. I think they're doing the right thing now with Luka Garza. That doesn't mean that they aren't doing the right thing with, with Roy Marble's jersey or that they didn't handle things uh, the right way. Now, we can talk about 2015 and that ceremony or whatever you want to call it where they brought Roy out and gave him a jersey which wasn't... A you know his era type jersey. It was a modern jersey with the number two. It was just essentially a generic 23 jersey. I think the the family probably felt disrespected by by that. I think the fact that this wall of honor that, that Gary Barta talked about back then has not been completed um, is something that you if you're again, if you're the family or if you're somebody if aff- affiliated with someone who is supposed to be honored in that way and, and it hasn't happened here six years later, you kind of think, well, you just said that to make me happy, and now you're not actually going to do it. So I get that. Um, it sucks that Dev feels this way, and I wish he didn't. I loved watching Devin Marble play. I think he he has a cool role in Iowa basketball history, You know, coming in early in the McCaffrey era and kind of taking it out of the crater of the, the lick-lighter times and back into the NCAA tournament. I think we all loved watching Dev Marble play, and we all loved the fact that he was Roy Marble's son. He was a legacy, and his dad was one of the greatest players in, in Hawkeye history. And so I, it's, it's a shame that Dev feels this way, but I don't judge him or, or dislike him or think less of him for having those feelings. That's a grieving son. And again, I, I, haven't, I haven't been there. I haven't lost a parent, so I don't know what that does to somebody. I bet some of you do. Uh, I've also seen people say, well, you know, there must be more to this. There must be something else that I would did uh to disrespect Devin or that family, or he wouldn't feel this way. I don't I don't necessarily subscribe to that. Maybe that's true, and maybe we'll find out someday what what those things are. But I think it is logical to think this is just and not just, that's not the right way to say this. It's logical to think that this is a grieving son dealing with these emotions. And feels disrespected. Feels like his family has not been given back what they have given to that program and that institution. And it's too bad that he feels like that. And I think it's somewhat understandable that he feels like that. It's hard for me to put a lot of this on Gary Barta because while the 2015 thing was certainly him, he was hired 17 years after Roy Marble's career ended. If it wasn't on Gary Barta to retire this jersey, if this jersey was going to be retired, it, it needed to happen before Gary Barta came along in, in 2006. The problem is now, if it does happen, it's going to feel like it's it's not worth, that, that he didn't earn it, right? It's going to feel like it, it was some, and I don't think it's going to happen, uh, so there's really no point in even talking about that, I guess, but... It's just a shame that that it happened. I am glad that Gary Barter got out in front of this. I'm glad that he joined the press conference yesterday and, and talked about this because while I don't think this is some distraction that it will enter the locker room and affect the postseason, it's certainly the most talked about thing uh, in Hawkeye Nation over the last day or so. And so uh, it's something that needed to be addressed. And I think it makes fans feel better to know that the institution uh, cares about this stuff and wants to have good relationships with its former players. And for the most part does. And we'll hear we'll hear Fran talk about that a little bit, his relationship with Dev and and Roy because all season he's been talking about both of them and the reverence he has for them, the love he has for them, the relationship he had with Roy and, and has obviously with Dev and what what it would have been like for Roy to be here while while Luka Garza, you know, approached and ultimately passed his all-time scoring record. It would have been cool to see that, and I think I would have handled it properly. And even without a twenty-three hanging in the rafters, they would have been able to honor Roy Marble in the right way if Roy had been here with us. Um, and I think that that would have put a lot of this to bed, or at least not even it, it wouldn't have even come up. So I'm sorry that I hope Luca Garza doesn't feel any negative feelings about any of this. I hope he doesn't feel like he had a part of this. Luca Garza's jersey deserves to be retired. It deserves to be hanging in the rafters, and it, it always will be, and rightfully so. And regardless of how you feel about Roy Marble and his career or his personality or his morality, uh, Luca Garza earned this, as Megan Gustafson did before him. And so let's not take anything away from that. So Iowa met with the media yesterday and we're just going to start this with uh, with Gary Barta because again this wasn't expected. He, he's never on these things or at least not unless there's a statement that needs to be made kind of like this and uh, this is how he opened uh, the press conference yesterday. This is all audio uh, courtesy of Rob Howe at Hawkeye Nation and uh, all of this video is up at hawkeynation.com if you want to go check this out uh, and I'm just going to again play snippets of this clips of this and kind of talk in between but here is Gary Barta yesterday I- addressing the Marble family situation.
0: I did learn, and we have learned since Sunday, that uh, Roy Marble's family uh, was hurt and feeling disrespected um, at, at, since that day. And uh, I just wanted to take a moment and uh, share that uh, absolutely that disrespect was unintentional and to publicly apologize uh, for that. Fran and I have also reached out to the family privately and uh, shared those same feelings of apology and, and also just shared with them some of the things that, that listen to them and, and hear from them, but also share with them some of the things that, uh, that we're working on and planning for moving forward. When I arrived in 2006, um, there were three players who consistently came forward, were brought forward by fans and family members, uh, indicating that uh, they should be, have their numbers or their jerseys retired. And it was Roy Marble, uh, Murray Ware, and Chuck Darling. And uh, all three of those, uh, through our process, through our university process, do not meet the criteria for those, uh, those retirement requirements. Uh, now I go back to 2015, when we honored uh, Roy uh, while Devin was here, and uh, we brought him out on the court and uh, we honored him. And at that time, I shared a vision that we have uh, and continue to have to create a a display in Carver-Hawkeye Arena when we renovate the concourse uh, to pay tribute to a lot of our greats, including Roy and Murray uh, and Chuck. Uh, We put up a display, it's a temporary display that's still up there today but uh, we have not yet renovated the concourse obviously and so uh, as recently as last january before the pandemic uh we we conducted a meeting and and um you know we it's something we've been working on but certainly finances and timing uh have come to bear i can't go back to 1948 1952 1989 and and uh discuss or talk about why Um, those three individuals haven't uh, had that honor bestowed upon them. It is complicated, Uh, it is a high bar for sure, but I can tell you uh, I am committed this spring and summer, let's get through the season. Uh, This spring and summer I'll sit down with some of our former players, some of our longtime staff members, the historians who have been around here for a long time, and and really go through uh, and discuss and, and finalize how we can honor those three. Um, and then make sure there's not somebody else that that we're leaving out. So again, I just wanted the opportunity to share that information um, with uh, with all of you, and then also just um, just to say uh, we do apologize for uh, any disrespect uh, that that uh, we've put on the uh, the Marble family.
1: So I think that's a that's a good statement from uh, from Gary Barter there. I do. I think for the most part he he handled that really really well. I want to know what those requirements are. What what uh, what are the requirements, and how did these three players fall short? Uh, but it's good to know that they do still plan to do this, uh, this wall of honor. And, um, again, not a whole lot to say more than, than what he said. Uh, Fran was asked about this, and so I'll just play that kind of Q&A here uh, between Fran McCaffrey during his press conference.
3: Well, I, I, I've had multiple conversations with his family members, reached out to Dev, I haven't spoken to him yet, uh, but I reached out to him. Uh, I know that Dev knows I love him, and I love loved his dad. Uh, we became very close, and I really appreciate you know, Mr. Bard's uh, comments and and sensitivity toward the situation. In no way were we highlighting Luca to in any way disrespect anybody else, least of all anybody named Marble. So, uh, I just appreciate what Gary's doing, and and these situations are not something I typically get involved with, but due to my relationship with both Roy and Dev, I I did, and I felt that it was important to do that, and our conversations have been very positive, and and they will remain so as we move forward to honor Roy the way that he should be.
1: Again, I think just Fran saying the right things there. Um, I think that was well said and well handled and, you know, really don't need to go more into it than that. Uh, I don't know that we will ever learn more about how Devin feels or, you know, maybe hopefully someday we will. And maybe someday he'll come back and, you know, be honored with a team or something like that. And and we'll all learn that he is kind of back in the fold of the of the program and the institution and the university and, and Hawkeye Nation, because, you know, we don't want anybody to feel. Bad about their time here. I think that sucks as a fan. I mean, we dealt with this with football, and the good thing with football was a lot of those guys made it very clear that they don't ultimately feel terrible about being Iowa Hawkeyes. Now, some of them do. Uh, Akron Wadley does, and that sucks because I loved watching Akron Wadley play, right? It was so much fun, and he did so much, and he provided us so much joy and to, to, to think that throughout that time he wasn't enjoying it, he wasn't having fun, uh, he doesn't look back fondly on those years, he, he doesn't want to affiliate to be affiliated with the university or that program. That hurts, and it hurts to hear that from Devin Marble, too, um, especially because it seems like Almost every player in the Fran McCaffrey era does have a good relationship with he and his staff and and the program. So, uh, just kind of sucks to to deal with that. But let's let's move on here to some real basketball stuff. Uh, the thing that was on everybody's mind is still on everybody's mind. Will be on everybody's mind until we see him out there. Is uh, Joe Weese camp, and of course, Fran was asked about that right away.
0: Yeah, Fran, I, I guess we might as well jump into. What, what do you know about Joe's status uh, for this weekend and beyond that?
1: Not much more than
3: than I knew the other day. He was a little bit better yesterday, a little better today. Uh, he won't practice today, so we'll see. Uh, again, he's literally day-to-day, so we'll see how he is today, tomorrow, and go from there.
0: Is it strictly you're going to hear from the trainers and doctors, or will there be other factors you weigh in
2: terms of what you'll allow him to do on Friday?
3: Yeah, I mean, it, it's strictly the, the trainer and the doctors. You know, he's, can he go? Uh, you know, sometimes you deal with, you know, is he 100 percent? Is he 90? Is he 80? Is he 75? You know, how does he feel? What does he want to do? So we'll, we'll wait and see.
1: While we're talking about that, is there, is there a number that you want him to be at with the Big Ten tournament versus the NCAA tournament? You're wanting to, him to be at 100 percent by the time you guys get to the NCAA tournament, how does that process work?
3: For you? See, the problem with that is you don't, you can't guarantee he's going to be at 100 percent if he if he plays Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You know, we play Friday night, Saturday afternoon, uh, so we'll factor that in as well. But, I mean, if he feels really good, you know, my anticipation would be to play him on Friday, and we'll see how he does. Uh, if he's not at or near 100%, then we might hold him. Uh we're going to do what's in the best interest of the student-athlete, bottom line.
1: So, you know, it's, it's hard to really get a read on on how they feel about Joe Wieskamp or where he's at. They're playing it pretty close to the vest, as you would expect them to do as they head into the Big Ten tournament and don't want to you know give away their cards too much. So uh, we will see Friday night if he goes, uh, how much he plays if he does, and if not, will he play Saturday, will I will play Saturday. Uh, it's all going to be kind of played by ear here. Talked about Luca Garza. Obviously, Big Ten Player of the Year for a second time, and uh, Fran was asked about that.
0: I know you've spoken a lot about Luca in the past, but the, here he is now, Big Ten Player of the Year, uh, two two years in a row. It's never happened before the Hawkeyes. I guess, in your view, is it, is it tougher to stay on top once you've you know kind of achieved that that level of brilliance, and, and how has he managed to do that?
3: I think it is tougher, Mark, because, you know, he's the focal point of every defense every time we take the floor. And the more tape that's on him, uh, the tougher that gets for him. Uh, so I, I've just been really impressed with his relentlessness to continue to improve and to handle anything that comes his way from a, a defensive scheme perspective or a physicality perspective. He just keeps coming. And, uh, you know, he just. You know, when you think he's he's maxed out, he he just amazes you again, and and proves that there's more there, and that's a credit to him and his character.
1: Not a whole lot more you could say about Luca Garza than what we've all already said, and will continue to say, and uh, we'll have a lot of time to break down his legacy and what he has meant to this program. The last thing here I wanted to get to from Fran is uh, just kind of him talking about what it's going to be like to go to Indianapolis this week and basically stay there until you lose and until you lose in the NCAA tournament the Hawks are going to be there this weekend they'll be there for selection Sunday they'll be there next week until they play on Friday or Saturday and then they'll stay as long as they are in the tournament And hopefully that's a really long time as you'll hear Fran McCaffrey say Man, I'm
0: curious about this travel thing uh, could you detail what it's going to be when do you get to and are you going to be there from now until your last game is played
3: yeah, we leave tomorrow, and the answer is yes, Mike. We'll be there until our last game is played. Correct.
2: Oh, okay, a follow-up on that, if I could. Uh, what, uh,
3: what goes into all of this? Because this is a, a wildly unusual thing for you and every other team involved. What, to, what do you have to do uh, to make this thing work as well as possible? Well, you're right, Mike. A lot of things, you know, I don't think our players have ever had to pack for 28 days so it starts with that so you can imagine what our coaches and student managers are bringing uh you know we're bringing academic folks obviously our strength and conditioning coach but then the next phase is 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 kind of staying sequestered with with our our group and not exiting the hotel and roaming around town and you know, getting involved in contact tracing situations that could put us in jeopardy of having a healthy team. So it's, you know, be tested, meetings, practice, lift. Uh, Academics will continue, you know, we'll have a room set up for the guys to do their classes online and whatever else they need. And. just go game to game.
1: Going to be a weird situation for the Hawkeyes. I don't envy the the situation they're going to be in. Again, having to say sequestered in that hotel, and um, you know it's been a long season. It's been a weird season. They've sacrificed a lot, and they'll continue to do so. They know it's at stake, and they'll do the right things. Um, I loved that part. Fran says he's never had to have them pack for twenty eight days. David Eichol, uh, from Twenty Four Seven Sports who covers the Hawkeyes, did the math there. 28 days from yesterday is April 6th, the day after the national championship. Here's hoping they need all 28 days worth of clothes. Let's move to Luca Garza, who was asked about his kind of accolades. Right, they're they're starting to come in, and he's starting to again, as I mentioned earlier, put his name alongside some of the greats in the history of sports or in the history of college basketball. and uh, And he was asked kind of about what that means, and as you would expect from Luca Garza, he shies away from uh, accolades himself and uh, puts some some love on his team and and his coaching staff, but also says. He's not focused on that right now.
2: That means the world to me. You know, I, I... I, I'm so thankful for this university, and it's, it's the reason why I'm on that list is because I came here to play for coach and, and to play with this group of guys that we do have. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be here without any of them, so I, I'm very thankful. And, you know, it's it's definitely something that's very awesome. And I think, you know, I think when I'm older, I think it's going to be something to look, to look back on and, and really be like, wow. Um, but for right now, I'm, I'm just so focused on, you know, the games that we have to come, and, 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 and we're hoping to play nine games in 27 days. So. That's my focus.
1: Luca also asked about what it's like to be heading to Indianapolis to play in March, to play in postseason tournaments. Uh, where where they have to, where their heads have to be to, to be ready for this, and kind of what the expectations are on this team.
2: I'm just really excited. You know, I, I love to play the game of basketball, and you know, there's n- no time better to play the game of basketball than in the month of March. So, I'm very excited for this opportunity. I'm excited for all our guys, and you know, I just want to make sure that. You know, I just play as hard as I can every single second that I'm out there. Um, And and hopefully, you know, that's enough to make sure that we make a run. And I think, you know, our team has developed so much over over this year, and especially recently with our our, our improved defense, that we're going to continue to work on that because we know that that's what's going to take us to where we want to go.
1: So good to hear Luca talk about defense there, and obviously that's been a a big key for this team down the stretch in these last 10 games or so. I think I saw somewhere where um, in the last month, since the start of February, Iowa has been top 10 in defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. That's fantastic. That's right where you want them to be. And if they can keep that up, they're a really, really dangerous team. Come March, CJ Frederick also met with the media and uh, among other things, he was asked by Mike Halas of the Cedar Rapids Gazette about his injury and that lower leg injury is what they still call it. I think we all uh, have heard or, or assume that it's plantar fasciitis, but he's been pretty good these last few games. It seems like he's been ready to go. And even though this is kind of a day to day thing and can change in any given moment, he hasn't had many issues with it lately. But this is going to be a different situation, certainly this week. Uh, Iowa plays on Friday, and if they win, they play Saturday. If they win, they play Sunday. It'll be the first time they've played back-to-back games like that all season. Um, and then, obviously, in the NCAA tournament, you get a day off in between games and then you know a little more time between rounds. But uh, he was asked, is he going to be ready to go for this kind of daunting, grueling March schedule? If
2: uh, you win Friday and you've got to play two days in a row and, and – Two, two games in less than two days, really. You think that uh, you'll be
3: good
2: to go? Yeah, absolutely. I um, mean, that's the goal. Um, that's how I've been in the training staff with Brad every day, um, just getting my
1: foot, getting my uh, getting my body ready for the Big Ten tournament, and the NCAA tournament. And good to hear CJ. It's what you expect him to say. He's a confident kid. He's ready to go, and uh, and we will need him, uh, especially if Joe Wieskamp camp is uh, is not at anything less than one hundred percent. Last clip here from uh, Freshman Keegan Murray again on the all freshman uh, freshman all big Ten team this season and has just been such a great addition to this roster, um, a breath of fresh air and in, in the way he carries himself, the 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 game he plays, the confidence, the quiet confidence that he brings to the floor every day. Uh, and the defensive prowess. I mean, even before, The team was great at defense. He was a good defender, and he was asked about uh, kind of how he came about that and and what his uh, what his thought on defense is.
0: Defense is a mindset. It really and like this season really showed me that it really is a mindset. If you can outwork the opponent in front of you, you'll have success, and that's just what I've been trying to do every single possession. Just outwork the person in front of me. Defensively, just get after it. do whatever I can. Uh, uh, not let the person in front of me score.
1: And there's some Luca Garza in that answer. There's some. I remember when Garza was a freshman, thinking, "Man, this this dude is beyond his years mentally. He's uh, he's well spoken and and able to kind of. Uh, he just has the right mindset, and I see that with Keegan Murray as well. He's got the right mindset. He says the right things. It seems like he believes those things, and. How much better or you know, who better to have as a, a role model than Luca Garza? Hey, if you continue this way, if you outwork everybody, if you are just, you know, doing what's best for the team on every possession, you're not only going to have individual success, you're gonna have team success as well. And so that's that's really cool. Well, here we are, guys. Big Ten tournament Friday night. Um, it all comes down to this. This is the the march that we've been waiting for for, for years, the, you know, the legacies of several people are on the line here. Don't get me wrong, Luca Garza is always going to be Luca Garza. He'll be the all-time leading scorer until somebody, you know, potentially s- snaps that, and he'll have his jersey in the rafters. Jordan Bohannon has left a legacy that that cannot be tarnished by anything that happens in on the court here over the next few weeks. Fran McCaffrey has built this program into what it is now uh, a top 5 team and a you know contender to at least go to the NCAA tournament year in and year out but how much higher can all of this go can McCaffrey lead a team into a Big 10 tournament championship into a sweet 16 or beyond can Luca Garza add to his legacy and you know put away any question about whether or not he's the greatest hawkeye of all time. I don't think he'll ever be passed as far as accolades. I don't think we'll ever see a, a Hawkeye win national player of the year twice. And, you know, I know he didn't win it from everybody last year and Obi Toppin was essentially the, the player of the year, but um Garza won it from some people and, you know, for a lot of us should have won it outright last year. He's the Big Ten Player of the Year two years in a row. I don't know that we'll ever see anybody like this again. But I think there's a discussion to be had, and, and I think some people older than me will will rightfully say that, well, Ronnie Lester did a lot of these things and also took Iowa to a Final Four and a Big Ten championship. Um, so I think Luca Garza, there will be a debate whether or not he's the greatest Hawkeye of all time. Unless he does something real special and the team does something real special here in March. Jordan Bohannon, what's his ultimate legacy going to be? It sucks these guys missed a March, missed an NCAA tournament last year. But Bohannon's within reach of the all-time Big Ten three-point leader. I think he's 19 behind um, Diebler from Ohio State. He could hit that. Now, they may only have two games left. He's probably not going to hit it there. But they might have nine games left. (laughs) You know? They win a couple of championships here. He's just got to hit a couple of game. Um, and if they're going to make runs, he's going to be hitting a couple of game. Uh, and then most importantly, Fran McCaffrey. 25 years in, he hasn't been to a Sweet 16. Can he get there? Uh, the 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 only question left, I think, with his uh, coaching tenure at Iowa is, can he lead Iowa to a deep run in March? We're going to find out these next couple of weeks. We're here. We've made it. They played 27 games. We got through the season, and uh, and they're right where we want them to be. They're peaking at the right time. They're one of the best teams in the country, and that's not debatable. And it's fun, and I'm excited for it. Join me tomorrow when I talk wrestling with Cody Goodwin and Friday night in the postgame Instant Reaction podcast, win or lose, uh, depending, or regardless of who we play, uh, I will be here. I appreciate you being here. I hope you enjoy this all as much as I do. Thank you for listening. And go Hawks.